Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this breaking edition of PensCast. This is going to be a PensCast post game here. I don't know how many times I plan on doing this. Maybe this will become a regular thing. Maybe this will be an as-need basis kind of thing. But currently it is 12.07, so seven minutes past midnight here Tuesday, March 21st. The Penguins a few hours ago finished their game against the Ottawa Senators, which I talked about, I was previewing early in the first episode, and I made a prediction that the Ottawa Senators were going to win, and it was going to be a blowout. Wasn't quite that, but it was still such an extraordinarily weird game that I felt the need to talk about it. This isn't going to be a 50-minute podcast. This is going to be a quicker one. I just wanted to get some quick post-game thoughts out of the way now because by the next time I do an episode, I'm sure this game is going to have been long in the past. There's going to be a lot more that has happened. So that's the reason behind this. Now let's get into the game itself. I Like I said, I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. There is a goaltender for the Senators, Dylan Ferguson, who is making his second career uh, appearance in the NHL, his first ever start, and I thought that the Penguins were going to get lit up too because of their defensive warts. They only had two of their regular six defensemen playing, which is never ideal. So I thought it was going to be an absolute shootout. I thought it was going to be a duel. I thought they were just going to be firing away on each other, and I thought we could have gotten... I thought people should have bet the over. Let's just say that. I thought it should have been a high-scoring game, and it was not. It was very much not. Only three goals scored in total in this one. And up until, I believe, up until, yeah, with uh, six minutes left in the third period, there was only one goal in the entire game. And then at the end there, Raquel gets one to knot it up. 14-39 into the third period, and it was a nice goal. It was assisted there by Malkin and P.O. Joseph. But... Unfortunately, as time was ticking away down there with uh, you know about a little over three minutes remaining, sorry, sorry, a little less than three minutes remaining, pardon me, the Senators got hot. They got onto a power play. They held possession very well and got a ton of chances down there. Brady Kachuk was all over the ice there at the end. It was fantastic. He's going to be a superstar in this league for years to come. He's a great leader. The amount of chances he creates... Are, for his team are incalculable, honestly. It is unbelievable how productive he is 
in the offensive zone. And it was one after the other, cross-crease passes, and finally he connects on one at the very end there with uh, almost two minutes left with Drake Drake Batherson, excuse me, on the power play. He gets his 21st of the season. And, of course, Kachuk there on the assist as well as Jake Sanderson. And that was the game-winning goal. And that's where the Ottawa Senators pulled away and won this game over the Pittsburgh Penguins. The first goal was 16:46 into the first period. It was Thomas Shabbat, Hatsim Bacho, scoring a beautiful goal. He just protects the puck and carries the puck so gracefully. He is truly one of the next great up-and-coming offensive defensemen in this league. And it was assisted there by Claude Giroux and Riley Gregg. It was Shabbat's 10th of the season, so he hits double-digit goals there. But that was not the story of the game. None of those goals were the story of the game. The story of the game was the aforementioned goaltender for the Ottawa Senators, Dylan Ferguson, who faced 49 shots against from this Penguins team. And he stopped 48 of them. He had a 980 save percentage, obviously just the one goal against the the Ricard Raquel goal. And he had a shutout going until the very end there. It was pretty extraordinary for a a goaltender who was signed at the beginning of March. He was signed to Belleville, the Senators' AHL affiliate. He played six games there, went 5-1, and and had very good stats there. I believe he had a 940, 935, something like that. I don't have it all in front of me right now. And he performed very well in Belleville, Belleville, pardon me. So they needed a goaltender because Cam Talbot got injured, Anton Forsberg's been injured, and I guess they didn't want to go with Mad Sugard. I don't know exactly what went wrong there. If he may have tweaked something or wasn't ready, or maybe they just wanted to give him a day off. I know he's played a good bit recently because of the injuries. So they went with the the young guy, Dylan Ferguson, who hasn't played since his he was his 18-year-old season. And that was the inaugural season of the Vegas Golden Knights where all the goaltenders uh, for the Golden Knights organization got injured. It's kind of similar to the situation that they have going on now, actually. But this time it's with the Ottawa Senators organization, and he showed up. Now, as much as I want to applaud him for his incredible performance, I think more needs to be made of the Penguin side of this, where they have a good group of forwards, or so we think, a good offensively-minded group, especially today, given that they had so little on the defensive end. You think that they would have been able to get more motivated on the offensive end, click a little more, they had something more to play for. You have guys on your back end who haven't played NHL games in weeks, months, or in um, Fadoon's case, years. You think that maybe you would focus a little more on that, on the possession side, but no, that was not what happened. They, um, well, I guess in a way it was actually what happened. They had 49 shots. I want to give them the credit. They, they, but their, their finishing has been not non-existent. They almost went two straight games without scoring a goal. I don't know the stat on how the last time that happened. Uh, it could even have been sometime this season for all I know. Something tells me that's not true, though. Something tells me the last time the Penguins got shut out back-to-back games was a long time ago. But I'm not sure on that one. Nonetheless, 
between this game and the Rangers game on Saturday, the Penguins went roughly 115 minutes without scoring a goal consecutively. And the goalies of note for that were, on Saturday, Igor Shosturkin, and tonight, Dylan Ferguson. One of those is not like the other. I'll let you decide that one. Nonetheless, what is the prognosis, doctor? What is the problem here? I don't know. You look at the numbers and the problem's obvious. It's finishing. It's this team cannot finish. They over-doubled the amount of shots against the Senators in this game. Ottawa scored two goals on 21 shots. The Pittsburgh Penguins scored one goal on 49 shots against an AHL goaltender whom was not an AHL goaltender until early March. So, not ideal. Not great. The best way to look at this as well is to compare this to the Saturday game against the Rangers because it was a similar story here. It wasn't like the Penguins played a terrible game against the Rangers. In fact, much like tonight on moneypuck.com, great site, on they have a deserve to win a meter for every game. For both of those games, for last sorry, tonight's get last night's if you want to be good technical and the New York game on Saturday, the Penguins deserved to win. It was their deserved to win was over 50%. In a game Saturday, they lost six to nothing. Also worth mentioning on that Saturday game, every single period, the Penguins outshot the New York Rangers. In the first, it was 15-12. In the second, it was 10-8. In the third, it was 8-4. By the end of it, there was a nine-shot differential between the two. 33 shots for the Penguins to 24 for the Rangers. Igor Shosturkin made all 24 saves, whereas Penguins netminders allowed six. So, I don't know what the solution here is. Because you have finishers on this team. You have guys on this team who can put who can put the puck in the net. So what is the deal? What do the Penguins need to do better? And I'm asking this rhetorically because I honestly don't know that there is an answer. Everyone ran to Twitter to talk about how this was the this the past couple games have been the epitome of what everyone's been screaming about, about how Ron Hextall should have done more at the deadline. And I agree. This team that he built, I although I praised the additions that were made, not the decisions made on his part, more the play of those players while they've been in Pittsburgh, I do think that more should have been done. There was the whole Jacob Chickering rumor, which I believe there was significant validity to. I, um, I, I think he was very close to being a Penguin. It did not come to fruition, though. But that addition wouldn't have put a puck in the net tonight. You saw him on the other side of the rink, and he did not score. He didn't contribute much offensively to his team tonight. And I actually made a mention to my fellow intern that he was kind of invisible tonight. And that's probably the best-case scenario for Ron Hextall and the Penguins because if he would have been crazy visible, 
it would have looked really bad and you would have heard a lot more of Fire Hextall tonight because he was a guy that Penguin fans rallied around. Everyone saw the Rob Rossi article of that Chikorin was close and Sully wanted him, Crosby wanted him, Hextall didn't want to pay the price. So if Jacob Chikorin would have went out, would have, excuse me, would have went out there and made it the Jacob Chikorin show, it could have been ugly tonight at PPG Paints Arena. But luckily it wasn't. They still lost, an embarrassing game. But in terms of that little tidbit, you can look at the glass half full. But back to finishing. The Penguins have five players on their roster this season with 24 or more goals. I would like to look at the other teams and see if any other team in the league has that. Because off the cuff, I'm going to go with no, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong there. Sidney Crosby has 29 goals. Evgeny Malkin has 24. Jake Gensel has hit the 30 mark. Ricardo Kell has 24. Jason Zucker has 24. And below them, Brian Russ has 15. Chris Letang has 10. Brock McGinn had 10 until you know. Whoops. So, none. all those guys that have the 24 or more goals are still on the team. And they're still playing prominent roles. And none of them are injured right now. So what's the deal? Something systematically is going on with the Penguins. Because... You don't have that kind of game twice in a row. You don't. Unless you're a lottery team, a team that's tanking for Bedard right now, you do not have that game twice in a row. And they did. It was the same game. And it kind of makes me feel like a fool to have watched both games, even though it's my job to. The Penguins just have not had it. And I feel bad because the guys who needed to have a good game the most did. The defensive core that I was so worried about earlier today of AHL defenders, of Mark Friedman, Taylor Fadoon, of Brian Dumoulin on the second line with Chad Ruedel, of POJ on the first pairing. What? And Chris Letang having to play half an hour a night. Well, tonight. Not every night. I believe it was 29 minutes. I have the game sheet somewhere here. Let me take a look. Let's see if I still have it. Maybe not. Okay, I do. Ta-da. I want to see how long exactly Chris Letang did play tonight because it seemed like he was out there forever. 29.33 was Crystal Tang's time on ice tonight. Second was Evgeny Malkin with 23.43. And Mike Sullivan did not play Drew O'Connor, Josh Archibald, or Jeff Carter very much. That fourth line did not get a ton of time. But the defenders, I got sidetracked, the defenders who needed to have a good game and they had a ton of pressure on them going into it, they performed, and I feel really bad for them. I also feel bad for Tristan Jari. As much as I talked about him not being the answer, he had a good game. Allowed two goals on 21 shots. Not great, but
but he looked really good out there. He looked a, real, a lot more confident tonight than he has in previous games. Maybe it was because he didn't he didn't get pulled, you know? It's a lot easier to look confident when you're actually in the net for all 60 minutes. But he gave the Penguins a chance to win. The defensive core gave the Penguins a chance to win. And they did not win. They lost. And we are now on to the next game, where it will be Penguins and Avalanche Wednesday night. In Colorado, I'm not confident in that game. But maybe the Penguins can get their offense on track. Well, they're going to have to, because with that loss tonight and Florida's victory tonight, the Pittsburgh Penguins are out of a playoff spot. They currently sit in third in the wild card, ironically enough, ahead of the Ottawa Senators. The New York Islanders sit in the first wild card now with 80 points in 71 games, so they still have one more game played than the Pittsburgh Penguins with two points ahead of the Penguins. So even if the Penguins were to win that game in hand, the tiebreaker is regulation wins, and the Penguins have six less than the Islanders. So if the Penguins were to win their game in hand, it does not matter very much. At this point, they no longer control their own fate. They need to win, and they need to get help on the schedule. Speaking of those schedules, we're going to take a look really quick before we head out here of the schedules of the rest of the way for those teams that are in competition here. I think this is the hottest race in hockey right now. I think everything else is kind of gravy or kind of maybe... Maybe not even gravy. Maybe it's just decided already. Maybe I'm more invested in this, so I care more. Nonetheless, the Penguins have 12 games remaining. They play Colorado on Wednesday. Then they will head to Dallas. And then the remaining teams they play are Washington, Detroit, Nashville, Boston, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Minnesota, Detroit again, Chicago, and Columbus. Now, there are some really bad teams in that, like Columbus and Chicago and Philadelphia. I'd even probably throw Nashville in there. But those aren't gimme wins. The Penguins were down 4-0 on on Columbus just a week ago, and they had to claw back to win that game. So none of these games are gimme's. You can't guarantee two points in any game with this roster right now. And I think they play the three best Western Conference teams in this stretch, including Wednesday's game against Colorado, Thursday's against Dallas, and then further along, they play Minnesota on April 6th at home. I think those are the three, in my, my view, the three best Western Conference teams. And they also play the best, excuse me, the best team in hockey the best season in hockey history possibly in the Boston Bruins. They will host them Saturday, April 1st. So it's kind of bleak. It's going to be hard for them to come back and win this and get into that playoff spot. And even if they do, it's kind of a jump ball for first or second. But I would say at this juncture, odds are they get the second wild card if they do get in at all. And they get to have a four-game date with the Boston Bruins. 
and that'll be it. And then that'll be the season. They're not beating the Boston Bruins. I know we saw Columbus sweep Tampa whenever they had their historic game. I'm just sorry, historic season. But this Penguins team's not doing that. They're not doing that. If they can't score a goal against Dylan Ferguson on 49 shots, sorry, two goals, then they're not beating the Boston Bruins in a playoff series, plain and simple. Let's take a look at the Islander side of things. They won on Saturday against San Jose. That was their last game. Tonight, because it is now Tuesday, they play host to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a good team over there in Toronto. But let's take a look at the remaining remaining opponents. The New York Islanders. Sorry, I this is the New York Islanders. I'm an idiot. The Columbus Blue Jackets. The Buffalo Sabres. New Jersey Devils. Washington Capitals. Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, Philadelphia Flyers, Washington Capitals, Montreal Canadiens. I'd say they're kind of in a similar situation as the Penguins, maybe a little easier. It's obviously less travel for them. They're not really going out west at all. But Toronto on later tonight is going to be, that's a great team. So that's going to be a tough one. Although I think the Islanders historically play the Maple Leafs very good. I don't think They've done well this season Season against them. I have to look at the head-to-head matchup. But I'm going to say that that's still going to be a tough game, no matter what. Blue Jackets, again, terrible team. But anything can happen. Buffalo was in the wild card for a while there, but they've tapered off. New Jersey is good. Washington is was in the wild card race for a while, but now is not at all, really. And then they have to play Tampa twice. Once away, once home. They have to go to Carolina to play the Hurricanes. Excuse me. And then Montreal, Philadelphia, Washington at the end there. Not in that order. I, they're kind of in a similar situation, I think, schedule-wise to the Penguins. I don't have the numbers for the strength of schedule, but just you know, eyeing it up now, I'm going to say it's similar. Now, the other team that's still in it, the team that overtook the Penguins today in, that, in the wildcard spot, is the Florida Panthers. Let's take a look at their schedule. They play a back-to-back later tonight. They, well, today now, they play the Philadelphia Flyers in Philadelphia. Thursday, they will play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then they have the New York Rangers, the Ottawa Senators, the Maple Leafs again, Montreal Canadiens, Columbus Blue Jackets, Buffalo Sabres again, Ottawa Senators again, Washington Capitals, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Carolina Hurricanes. I feel like these three teams... Well, specifically the Islanders and Panthers, play the same schedule almost. It looks like the Panthers may have it a little easier. They play Toronto twice. They play the Rangers once and Carolina once. But other than that, again, it's a weaker schedule. It's more Buffalo. It's more Ottawa. It's more Columbus, which I think Columbus plays all of these teams here at the end, um, which is just kind of an interesting tidbit. But they all are in the East. Specifically, the Islanders and Penguins are in the Metro, so it makes sense. But... If I were to put money on it now, which I'm not going to, and I don't think I'm, I can anyways, um, things are bleak, and it may not be a playoff year. The streak may end this season with the Pittsburgh Penguins making the playoffs for 16 years in a row. It may be ending now. Real quick before we go, some numbers I like to crunch really quick on the fly just to give me a sense of where things are and where things might be. 
is I like to take a look in, at the 82-game projection of teams' current standings and current, you know, like we're, current records. So the Panthers, we're going to do them first. They have played 70 games and have 79 points. So you do that division and then you multiply it by 82 games across 82 games. They're on pace for 92 and a half points. 92 and a half. The Islanders have played 71 games and have 80 points. So you do that and then you multiply it by 82. They're at 92.4 points. And now you're going to look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's do 78 points divided by 70 games times 82. And they're at 91.4. So if everything went according to plan, or according to how things have gone already this season, up until right now, the Penguins are not in the playoffs. And it's sad to say, but on the bright side, that's not how this works. There are still 12 games to be played for the Penguins. There's still 12 more left for the Panthers. And there's still 11 left for the New York Islanders. So a lot can change in that time. I'm going to leave it there. But the overall sentiment of Penn's Nation right now, Penguin fans, I don't know if we call ourselves Penn Nation. I've never really heard that. Anyways, the overall sentiment is that was embarrassing. And there's no two ways about it. You can't lose to Dylan Ferguson when you have your depleted defensive core playing that well. You have to score goals. And don't forget, the Penguins went over the last two games, 115 consecutive minutes without scoring a goal. We're going to leave it there. Penguins are on a four-game losing streak now. Will they make it five on Wednesday? Or can they come back? We'll have to see. These these next two games specifically are going to be huge testaments to this team's talent level. Because the Dallas Stars and the Colorado Avalanche are two of the most talented teams in hockey. Now I'm going to go. I hope you enjoyed that post-game recap. Like I said, I don't know how often I'm going to do those. I don't usually have a ton of time after the games, um, and it is getting late, so I don't want to make this too much of a habit. But nonetheless, thank you for listening, and at the very least, we'll see you sometime next week. See ya.